I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science has If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily agree. win. Go for a short it is time to get no, bricks down. This candle smells like my vagina. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello! I'm Mark Steele and welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? I think I'm one of the few people now who thinks Boris Johnson should stay on as Prime Minister because his excuses are just wonderfully entertaining. So at last we're getting some value from him. He's tried, I wasn't at a party, I didn't know the party I was at was a party, do we really want to make a fuss about a party, and the party only lasted nine minutes. This week he'll tell us, I was uh, possessed, I was possessed by the spirit of Amy Winehouse, she was making me go to parties, I've now had the demon dealt with by an exorcist, so uh, let that be the end of the matter. And it's a shame, really, that his nine-minute rule couldn't be used by anyone who wanted to visit sick or dying relatives in the lockdown. So you could only get away with it for really important reasons, such as a piss-up on your birthday. This new attitude towards law provides a handy guide for anyone who's arrested for any crime. From now on, if you're convicted of armed robbery, you can tell the judge, I was only screaming, put the money in the sack now! while waving a sawed-off shotgun for nine minutes. Defendants will say, it's true, Your Honour, that having vigorously denied it, I mean, CCTV footage does show me drunkenly uh, stealing a digger from a building site and, and, and driving it through a maternity ward, yes. But, uh, but at the time, I didn't know I was doing it. Can I go? Now there's going to be an investigation into whether Boris Johnson knowingly misled Parliament, which would mean he does have to resign. So he'll say, I didn't knowingly uh, mislead Parliament because at, at the time I believed that a party was a species of cactus. Uh, So when I said I wasn't at a party at that time, I meant I wasn't at a cactus. It was only when I wrote to Gardener's Question Time and and asked a question about whether I should repot my crazy birthday party that I bought from the desert in Mexico that I realised my my mistake. See, he's now telling lies at such a ferocious rate, he should be studied by medical science. He'll tell us the cake at the party wasn't a cake. It was a report about the inflation rate covered in icing and candles. And the people at the party weren't singing happy birthday. They were singing that day's Covid figures to the tune of happy birthday. 2,864, a rise of 63% on the same figures last week. And cases up to 31,962. At the moment, he's in India. So next week, he'll say, I have never been to India. Uh, I'm, I'm told there are photographs of me in front of the Taj Mahal riding an elephant saying, I love it here in India. But I can assure you there is no such place as India. If you have any further questions, please contact the call centre that I visited in India. We've also learnt that if someone is 
proven to be a lying, cheating idiot, you shouldn't replace them if there's a war on. In the same way, it wouldn't be the time to replace someone who's out of their head on weed and drugs and vodka while they're flying a jumbo jet to California. Tomorrow he'll announce, I have been informed by Professor Brian Cox that there is a black hole on the other side of the galaxy. Now, while that's going on, sucking in matter from the universe, this is not the time to, to replace the, the leader of a country because they were at a, a silly party. Even more entertaining is that Boris Johnson's colleagues now are asked to defend him every day in ever more ridiculous ways. Michael Gove will say in an interview, the reason that the Prime Minister can't say how many parties he was at is he is currently upside down. And in due course, he will be turned the, the right way up. But until then, it would be entirely wrong for him to answer any further questions on the issue. Some Tory MPs did give it a go, such as the one who said it was daft to make an issue of the law breaking because we all broke the law during lockdown. It's just a, a pity that they didn't make it clear at the time that we were expected to break all the rules that they were announcing because the government had become anarchists and Johnson's announcement every day should have been, here are the rules, man, but don't listen to them. Don't let me control your mind, man. Wash your hands when you want, not when I say. Smash the system. Maybe this whole thing all started because it's what Boris was used to saying when he was caught being unfaithful. It was a long time ago. I've said sorry. I didn't know I was doing it. There's a war on and it only lasted nine minutes. What the fuck is By the most amazing of coincidences, just as the government was in its deepest trouble with its lockdown parties, they announced a new policy on dealing with asylum seekers, including sending them to Rwanda. Now, this has upset some people, especially this woman who I heard on a phone-in show. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. All this trouble with asylum seekers, and now they're going to give them a free holiday to Rwanda. How's that supposed to be a deterrent? If they like Rwanda so much, why didn't they float their dinghies there in the first place? Someone said it's a landlocked country. I said, well, it might be now, but the council will pay for a seaside to be flown out to them. Don't you worry about that. I took the kids down to Dover the other day and splashed about in a rubber dinghy to see if we could get a free holiday to Rwanda. But oh no, all we get is someone with a megaphone screaming at us to go back to France. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. And look how much it costs to send them there. They could save that money by moving Rwanda over here. They're not bringing their giraffes with them, though, poking their heads through my ceiling. Who's going to be paying for that? Me, as usual, I suppose. Two years I've been waiting for a parking permit. And why do they have to come here to seek asylum? If they've lost it, they should look in the last place they had it. That's how I found my diazepam. I didn't go sailing about in the sea hoping that the lifeboat people would come and rescue me and find it for me. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. One of the absolute joys of finding out what the fuck is going on is all the experts that I get to help me out with various aspects of all the different what the fuck is going on questions that come up. And this week I am 
absolutely thrilled to have with me Mr. Sean Walsh. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. Well, what the fuck is going on? You're the perfect person to ask. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't normally do this because it's probably illegal and unethical. Go on. But I'm going to read out a little text exchange we had <laughs> not long ago. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is you. I've got to go to Crystal Palace today. It's absolutely unacceptable that this is considered to be in London. I'm actually really pissed off at you. I've got to get on three separate fucking trains. You c***t. And later on that day, you wankers. Oh, no! Do you want to explain yourself? I stand by this. I stand by this. That is not London. If you can stand on a hill and look at London, it's not fucking London, is it? If you're in London, you wouldn't be able to look at London. You're on a hill going, oh, look how beautiful London is. It's miles away. It took me like an hour. This is my complaint with people from no. north of the river. No. Is that they go, oh, God, do I have to come round yours? It's so far. It's so much easier if you come to me. Like the fucking country tips up and yeah. we just roll down. We just sit on a little ball and it rolls us down. It's amazing. I don't know how physics works, but... Crystal Palace to North London is only one tenth of the distance from North London to Crystal Palace. Yeah, well, I, I, what I don't understand, and I think I said this to you in the text as well. I think there was more of it. There was more. Is what is a hill that big? You should get to that hill and you go. Oh, yeah, we could put a house up there. And you go. Are you fucking mental? What about a house on the top of that hill? Of course, you build houses on a hill. That's the first thing people always did was to put a house on a hill because it protects you from all the marauding vandals and Saxons and Celts and you're, you're absolutely fine Assyrian. they're going nowhere near Crystal Palace you don't have to worry about that <laughs> <laughs> right. right now what the fuck is going on Sean so know. there uh, are these cars now there's been driverless cars talked about for a while yeah but now it seems there are driverless cars in which the driver I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Because you're the sort of nominally that still be the driver. You'll be sat behind the wheel, and you can watch films and the television shows while that. Now, is that a good thing? You can watch television shows on a screen while you're you're behind the wheel of the car. That's going to be legal to do that. This is good, isn't it? I'm one of the people that likes the new technologies that mean you don't have to do anything. When wireless headphones came in, yeah. there are people that go, oh, I'm not wearing them, you look mental, you look... Me I, don't, I don't care about that. I'm straight into, now I don't have to untangle the wires, this is making my life easier. Driverless cars, this is... I don't drive. I've passed the theory, so I can talk about the theory. Oh, well, that's handy then. Yeah. So do, what does that make it legal that you can do? What, watch, a, watch a film. and I, I can get in the car now, can I? No, you've got the theory, but you can't actually turn the engine on. Oh, it means I could go to the. It means I could go to the pub and talk about driving. <laughs> That's what it means. But yeah, I've, I can't get a practical test because COVID has pushed the test back. Do you know this? Oh, I see. Yeah, so I can't actually right, do right, the practical right. test. But the driverless cars—that's a good thing. It means that I don't have to learn to drive. For me, it's just the sort of like. But how does that? I can't trust that. I mean, I do, you know, you know, I've, I've got a bit in me act about it, but it's actually true about the computerisation of cars and the fact that my bloody thing just beeps at you 
all the time. But it never stops. So I know that when I next get in my car at some point today, it will go flash, 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 air in my tyres, air in my tyres. And I end up rowing with it going, I put air in your bloody tyres yesterday, you greedy pig. <laughs> yeah, but I want a bit more of me one at the back on the left. That's the worst. Sit up straight. Comb your air. Don't slouch. And this is true. The reversing one, so that could be a useful thing, right? Reversing. Yes. Oh, I'm near the fence. I'm near a bollard. Yeah, that's good. But the thing, it's so obsessed with health and safety. And I've screamed it. I'm about half a mile away, you bloody, <laughs> stupid, overcautious, fucking Swedish twat. I've got... <laughs> I could be in the mid you could be in the middle of the Sahara Desert, 40 miles to an oasis where there might be a palm tree. <laughs> I've actually screamed I did actually scream this is true. At one point I did actually scream at it. Shut your bloody mouth. Otherwise I'm gonna put it in reverse as fast as I can and smash your brake lights. See how you like that. I think you need to see a doctor. <laughs> You're shouting at your you're shouting at a machine. Yes. <laughs> of course I and don't tell me you've never shouted at a machine. Well you know me. I would never shout at a machine. You shout at a heel. That's been there a lot longer than the machine. Mine's the phone. We have this when we talk on the phone. The phone doesn't work. They they want us to trust the driverless car. The phone. The phone doesn't actually do the thing that it's meant to do. If you try to actually, it sends text, sure, internet, yeah. Actually trying to talk to someone on the phone. No. It, they've not worked it out yet. No, they haven't. It doesn't work. For every phone conversation, it's, it, uh, oh, hang on, I've lost you again. It, uh, it, it's, uh, hang on. And then you get into a, people start getting proud of their signal. <laughs> well, I've got full signal. <laughs> Fuck your signal. <laughs> What's going on? In 1970, phones worked. I don't ever remember when I was a kid. I oh, just about remember 1970. I don't ever remember that. Oh, I don't know what happened there. I don't ever remember my dad going, oh, hang on, I'll go on the roof of the garage. It might work <laughs> up there. And they don't explain these things. We're just They're just left to us to kind of work out what's going on. Sometimes you ring someone, yeah, hello, how's it going? Two seconds later, you just hear yourself. Hello, how's it going? Oh, hang on, I think I can hear myself. Oh, hang on, I think I can hear myself. I better go, I'll call you back. I better go, I'll call you back. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Exactly, well, that's what we're asking. I paid 500 quid for this. <laughs> for fuck's sake. No, the driverless cars, I think... I'm by, I don't mind. Give it a go. Who gives a shit? Will the signal go, though? Well, the, oh, my signal's gone, and I'm in the middle lane of the M40 just outside Banbury. Some signal's gone, and you're, you're just sat there with everyone going, eh, 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 eh. Nothing I can do, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing I can do, mate. The signal's gone. I think it'd be great if the driverless car can talk, like Siri <laughs> or something. You get the driverless car turning around, I fucking cannot stand cyclists. <laughs> People on bicycles are fucking c**ts. They think they own the road. Yeah, you can, maybe you can program them with a North London attitude. So every time it gets to Streatham, this isn't London. <laughs> now, I'm glad we cleared that up. The Queen is 96. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you're very excited. It's her birthday this week. 
or something, as we're saying this. By the way, happy birthday if you're listening, Lizzie. She does listen. She Every week she writes in. We're going to have to read one of her things out. Well, what the fuck is going on <laughs> with my grandson? He's fucked off to Canada. And that rather awful interview with that peculiar woman. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what to say to her. Now, what the fuck is going on with my son? Lots of wrongings, but never a nonce until now. <laughs> what do you get the Queen for her birthday? You know, people say that, oh, you, you know, she's got everything, what can you get her? Does, did she actually get gifts? Oh, I know, she just think, where the fuck am I going to put this? <laughs> I've got, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not... I don't know, would you get her a card? Get get her a card with some money in it? Do you reckon she does that? <laughs> Do you reckon? I couldn't think of anything, Your Majesty, so I've just put five pounds in a car. <laughs> get, yourself, get yourself a drink, darling. Yeah. That's what, with birthdays, this is the thing, she's not on, the, she's not on Instagram, is she? This is what happens if the Queen was on Instagram. What yeah. the female half of the species like to do on social media when it's one of their friends' birthdays is post the entire history of each other's friendship. You'll have, like, 50 photos. A photo of the first day they met, then the first night they had a drink together, then when they went to university together, their first holiday, then every birthday through their entire friendship. It's incredible how much love and affection they display. Whereas with blokes, all you get is one text, and that text says, was it your birthday yesterday? Do you think she'll get to 100? Yes. You do? Why do you say that so confidently? Well, she's she's as fit as a fiddle, isn't she? She's walking about. She's, she's still doing stuff. She's 96 now. What happens when she... I, don't, I mean, this is awful, but I don't know what happens when she... When she... When she pops it, do we... Well, obviously, we'll be off the air for a month in uh, respect. And will we have to have new notes with Charles on the notes? Yes, they don't have dead... Monarch on it. We don't, you know, we don't have Henry VIII on there now. But it's contactless we? now. No one uses cash. So we're not going to see their faces on. It'll have to no, be their faces on your it. debit card. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have one more, uh, one more, one more thing. I think that's cleared up most things. D- one definitely. thing. Now, you've got to tell us. So you've got this, um, well, you've got loads of things going on as ever. Um, you, you don't have time to do because you've, you've got to travel to inaccessible places yes. as well. But you have um, you have a stand-up show that's out on YouTube that huge. It's very nice. Lot, yeah, I, I put it up. As you know, I didn't expect anyone to watch it, but I I did a show in Edinburgh years ago. You came to see it in was it Worthing? I came and, to see it in Worthing. Um, it was great. Yeah, it was about that time. Do you remember? I never mentioned it when I was on that dance show. <laughs> Oh, with Claudia whatnot and Tess thingy. I went on that and yeah. um, I was famously undermarked for my Paso Doble, if you remember. Yes. Yeah. It was quite a scandal at the time. It was a bit of a scandal at the time. But um, yeah, no, so I went. So basically, I wrote a, a show about that time in my life and what it was like to go through a so called media storm. And then, and, and like, you know what it's like, you tore it and that's it, it's over and done with. And then I was telling the story in November to an American friend of mine, a comic, 
And we were walking through Kennington. It was very nice. It was like midnight. And uh, I told him the story and he went, hang on, wait, what? You didn't film this? And I was like, well, no, no one wants to see it. He's like, I can't. Are you fucking crazy? You got you to gotta film that now. You got to do it. So in the early hours of the morning, I emailed the Bill Murray Comedy Club, one of the nicest little clubs in London. And, um, and about yeah, two yeah, weeks, yeah, less yeah. than two weeks later, I filmed it. And I only filmed it in front of 50 people. It, didn't, it, was, it was sold out, but then it pissed down with rain. And that stopped people from coming to the show. It's so depressing. Rain. People looked out the window and went, ah, it's rain, fuck him. I'm not going to that. But it really, it made for a special night because I hadn't said the show in two years. I hadn't said any of the things in two years. So it had a kind of energy and a kind of panic behind it, which I think comes through. And yes, I think over 70,000 people have watched it in under three weeks, I think, or three weeks. And it's been amazing, and you can watch it for free. And it's called Kiss, it's, and it's on YouTube. And you just type in Sean Walsh Kiss, and you can watch my life deteriorate for free. It's <laughs> a brilliant show. My uh, my first sort of uh, awareness of the of this incident because I watched it. I watched you do your Matrix yes. on Strictly Come Dancing at night, and I was in Paris at the time, and I watched it on my little phone and that, and I thought, oh, it's gone well, it's gone well, it's gone well. And then the next day, I thought. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, well, is that a problem? I don't know. And then the following morning, <coughs> I had to come back. And I went through That's the gates problem. at the Eurostar, you know, perfectly happy, yeah, just going through all the paraphernalia of having your bags checked and <coughs> all that. And as I got through the Eurostar, there's a massive bank, a big sort of display of daily telegraphs. And you were on the front page, massively on the front page. Yes. You were all the front page. And I thought, what the Right, and Sean and the Daily Telegraph, is he? Are they unveiling their new county cricket reporter? Or something? And then as I sort of walked through, you were on the yes. front page of all the other, luckily not on the front of the French newspapers, but on the yes. front of all the English newspapers. And I, I thought, oh dear. No, it wasn't this good. good. And. Um... I mean, as I say in the show, if you watch the show, you know, the moment I found out was when I was told. And, um, <laughs> yes, yes, I bet. Oh, dear. And I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> I just kept saying, all I could say, it was like the opening to, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral. It was all I just kept Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Fuckity fuck. But there you go. And then that's, uh, yeah, so it's a show... About that, and yeah, and people have, have seemed to um, to have enjoyed it. Well, it's a, a brilliant, very marvellous it is. And in fact, it's all worked out for the best in the end. The, um, Has it? I think <laughs> yeah. Lucy <laughs> got, okay, got yeah. some yeah. material out of it, Sean. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much, Mr Sean Walsh. What a delight it has been to have you on here today. Now, if you're going to try and work out what the fuck is going on, it is very important to hear from all sorts of people. So let's hand over to the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, with me now is uh, Kieran Malley, who's very pleased with himself. He runs a farm in County Roscommon and his cheesy mates there has been voted European Cheese of the Year. Hiya, Kieran. Uh, morning, Mike. Yeah, 
Just as well it is the morning, or there'll be no chance of getting any sense out of your lot. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're all delighted, but I, uh, I don't drink myself. Yeah, no, not while you're asleep. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a drinker. No, I, uh, we don't all drink in Ireland now. Yeah. So come on in, this cheese of yours. What's in it? Guinness. Ah, uh, no. The, the judges described it as a, a mild, deceptively creamy cheese with a, a nutty aftertaste. I bet it's got holes in it, eh? Like that Swiss stuff. Ah, uh, no. There, there are no holes. Well, how do you fill it with whiskey? We don't. Ah, it's Pachin then, is it? <laughs> do you make it out the back where the pigs live? Have you ever been to Ireland, Mike? Is that a threat, Kieran? Ah, it's an invitation. We'd, we'd love to... Have you come over to our farm and... I know your game, mate. You want to lure me over there, kidnap me, use the ransom to buy weapons. This cheese business is just a front, isn't it? A front? What? What are you, Kieran? Real cheese, provisional cheese or continuity cheese? I, I, I really don't know what you're suggesting. What I'm suggesting, Kieran, is you're engaged in criminal activities... You've just admitted your whole business model's based on selling cheese, which is against the law. S selling cheese isn't against the law. Yes, it is. See you, Kieran. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder the Archbishop of Canterbury is a communist. Here's Marine Le Pen with the weather. What the fuck is going on? Now, it is brilliant to be back in the what the fuck is going on community here uh, for the last two weeks, Easter and whatever, it's have a little break as people do. And it's been noticeable the millions of people around the world just walking around in circles and banging their heads on solid objects going, oh, we don't know what the fuck is going on. We've not been told. So I do apologise for the mass riots that have ensued as a result of that. But I should also tell you that as we are now available on Patreon, that is the way to make sure that no such gaps in your life ever happen again. If you sign up to Patreon, you will get exclusive content. That is the word of the day. De no jour. Exclusive content. That uh, Bonus sketches, for example. This week, you can hear our resident expert, the polymath George Galloway, with his views on the departure of Richard Osman from Pointless. One of the most serious issues in the world today. And George is giving his opinions on that. If you'd like to hear that, also get ad-free versions of every episode. Episode. I am aware that adverts are bloody annoying. And the first chance to buy tickets at a discounted price for the live shows that we will be doing very soon. I know I've been saying they've been very soon, but there they are very they're certainly sooner than they were when we first said they would be very soon. To sign up for Patreon, you go to www.patreon.com, Patreon P A T R E O N.com, or follow the link on our Twitter page and you type in what the F is going on. Now, that's important because if you put the whole word that F stands for, that's a different thing and it doesn't seem to want it. Patreon being you know, maybe slightly prissy with language and you know, fair play to him for that. What the F is going on, and for four pounds a month, you can help support the podcast. Our marvelous. That will be. Also, I should tell you a couple of other things that you can do. You can come and see me live on the 28th of April very soon, as I'm saying this, in Durham, the next day in Barnsley, and the next day in Holmforth, up north. One of the things that happens whenever you put, if you're a comic and you put a tour date online, 
within seconds, hundreds of people, not hundreds, but a few people go, why are you not coming here? And even if you are going there, they seem to do it. You know, even if you're doing Oswestry, someone will say, why aren't you coming to Oswestry? So you say, well, I am, I'm coming on the 19th. And then they'll go, oh yeah, but that's the other side of Oswestry. I'm not going all the way over there. Uh, so one of the things, why you never come to Yorkshire or to the Northeast? Some people say, not most people you're all lovely and also i'm doing three little shows in paris at a funny little theater in saint germain i can't quite if you go on my twitter page the link is on there je vais faire trois spectacles à paris le mai 9 10 11 vous êtes bienvenue now we have a number of issues that people have sent things in about imagi and fairy wonderful name sends this little uh, question, train fares. I like the fact that train fares is written as a sentence in Margie and Fairy. Train fares, full stop. That's enough of a question. The assertion that you can fly to a number of foreign locations more cheaply than an open return ticket to London. Now, I haven't got the exact figures with me. I think this was uh, Andy Burnham put this on, on Twitter, that from Manchester to get to virtually everywhere by plane, Ivory Coast, Paraguay, I don't know where he put, the Antarctic, the moon, all of those places are cheaper to get to than an open return ticket to London, which from Manchester, if you're in peak time, is something like £800,000 billion. And they say it with a straight face. If you go into the station at Manchester Piccadilly or at London Victoria or something and you say, I'd like a return to Manchester, please, they must be trained for monthly staff to go, uh, yes, that will be £84,923. When anybody who retained a little touch of humanity would go, fucking hell, do you know what? I'll drive you up there and back for 200 quid and you'll be saving money and we can have a chat that's mental nobody can charge that but they don't they have to say it and then they go oh but it's only peak times and peak time is all the time except two minutes between 8 39 and 8 41 in the evening yeah it is terrible and then probably having paid all that money you get out at stoke and have to get going to a car park where you're herded around in circles like buffaloes and then you have to get on an old green bus that was put out of commission in 1936 and that sort of slowly 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 goes through the villages of Staffordshire uh, and gets you to where you're going but only after it's stopped for three weeks in northern Shropshire and you have to pick hops. Uh, I quite agree with you Imagi and Fairy, train fares full stop. Meg Studeman from Derrydale Farm. Oh, how lovely. I wonder if your farm has won European Cheese of the Year, Meg Studeman. What the F is going on with Marine Effing Le Pen and La Belle France? Did Grandmère and Grandpère not tell anyone what the Nazi occupation was like? Well, this is fascinating. Now, I've been following this far more closely than is healthy for months and months and months. At one point, I thought Le Pen was going to win. I think that by the time you hear this, you'll know hopefully that she hasn't done. But one of the amazing things about this, and we've sort of referred to Le Pen as a fascist, there were 11 candidates, one of which was a man called Eric Zemmour, 
whose whole stick was that Le Pen wasn't fascist enough. The, the far-right vote was split. Oh, she calls herself a fascist, but she's not burnt any books in the centre of the town. What right has she got to call herself a fascist? I want to see you goose-stepping before you can get the fascist vote. And at one point, he was taking quite a lot of a vote. In the end, he only got about 8%. Only got a mad... And he was talking about Jews and Muslims replacing us, that sort of absolutely far-right language and oh thank god he only got eight percent of the the french are only following him but le pen did come second and the way the french election vote works is that the top two in the first round go through to the final it's a bit like strictly come dancing and marine le pen is one of those two uh, emmanuel macron who is a sort of soft conservative really sort of i, I don't know what you call him if you're the equivalent over here a sort of george osborne sort of figure that's terrible isn't it to call him a soft conservative but these days I suppose you would he's that sort of person maybe somewhere between Blair and George Osborne and those are the two choices now there are people going I'm not voting for Macron why should I vote for him and that's a fair comment except that the alternative is Marine Le Pen who is of the far right who comes from a party founded by a father who said that the Holocaust was a mere detail of history so if you're going I'm not voting for the person who's shit why should I vote for them what difference does it make that the other person is 20 times more I'm not voting for the person who's going to smack me in the face with a shovel just because then the person who will win who will put me in a bath with an electric fire so I I think you have to hope that Macron wins part of it is that there is this strange i mean we see it a bit in britain with london in france it's even more so there is this enormous hatred towards paris from people outside that's why the gilets jaunes thing they didn't really know what they were after except they hated paris almost like the paris the paris tourist board could almost say if you are in rural paris why not come here to the capital city and enjoy all that we have to offer we will organize a tour for you on the first day you will travel to areas such as the golden triangle with some of the most beautiful shops in europe and on the second day you can set fire to them and put brick through bank window and tip up rubbish on the streets and then leave home having refreshed yourself for rural paris instead is absolute absolute antipathy towards paris from the outside and also, should be said here, Marine. Le so I've watched the debate between Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron, and she did get very, very, uh, a big thing in the last half an hour was that Muslims are undermining the French way of life and that she wants to change the constitution set up by Charles de Gaulle so that she can introduce new laws that make it much more impossible for Muslims to integrate into France and so on. And she did all this with her arms sort of waving about. But Macron was quite chilling. He just stared at her in a sort of calm but sinister way and at one point I thought you're modeling yourself on Michael Corleone the godfather I thought on Sunday night when the votes announced he's just gonna say to her you're very disappointing Madame Le Pen you've made me angry and that disappoints me and I suspect we'll then never hear from her again and it probably would be best not to ask where she's gone what the fuck is going on? Now, as 
anybody knows who has ever ventured upon the enormous quest to find out what the fuck is going on, you need people from different generations, especially the younger generation. And that's why some years ago I bred someone who was going to be able to keep me up to date with what the fuck is going on. So, Elliot Steele, hello. From where are you this week? Uh, I'm in Cardiff. Okay, is it a nice bit of Cardiff or are you down at the docks drinking special brew and robbing things? I'm in, I'm in the city centre. So it's just kind of, you know, yeah. Well, isn't that, there's water there though, isn't there? In a great big sort of bubbly looking huge centre that... Um... Um, no, you're thinking of, you're thinking of down near the bay. The city centre, uh, you wouldn't know you're in a capital city. Oh, the right. The nice bit's down by the bay. The city centre is just... Oh, no, yes, you're right. I was thinking of San Francisco. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. easy mistake to make. In that <laughs> they both look like they've been hit by several earthquakes. Hey! <laughs> I, I actually really yeah. like Cardiff. Yeah, I really like Cardiff. Yeah. Uh, now, something very, very important that we have to discuss, because this is really one of those issues that is indicative of the different outlooks of our generations. And I'm not sure my generation comes out of it quite the best. Your generation doesn't come out of anything quite the best. So let's, you know, this will be interesting to see. Okay. There's not anything that you guys have come out with well. But now I see I'm getting defensive and I'm going to defend this person now because okay. I feel like, yeah, because I feel like my generation is a, you know, a bit like if there's a group of mates and one of you's a bit of an idiot and then someone else from another group of mates goes, he's an idiot. You go, oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You know, you can't say that. So the person we're talking about is Jimmy Savile. Now, there are things that are not controversial about Jimmy Savile. He was a Roman on an industrial scale. So what I think is fascinating, and this because there's a new Netflix documentary, and you've seen it as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched it. Now, this is a question that I've been asked by two or three people. In fact, we had this discussion with Chappie's lad, who's 14, and he was asking this. And it's a perfectly reasonable question, which is, how did your generation ever make this person this extraordinary icon? Because I think your generation... That's one thing the documentary does really well. It's just the scale of how famous this person was. There's no one now could be as famous as he was. He was the the royal family used to ask him for advice personally. Yeah, because they they probably you know well you know like when you're accused of sleeping with someone and you go I didn't do that and you go to prove I didn't do that I'm going to give them twelve million pounds and sell a Swiss chalet. But the, but the, the people people don't look at the wider thing with the Jimmy Savile thing is because you go how how did this happen and it's like like it's the same with Jeffrey Epstein right or anyone like that these people would have known. They did know. Who knew? Anyone who mixed with him knew. Anyone. I don't think anyone who mixed with him would have known. I think they might have thought he was peculiar. I don't think everybody I, who ever mixed I, with I, him would have I, known. I, I'm, when I say, I mean in the upper echelons of society, I imagine Margaret Thatcher would have known. I imagine the royals would have known. I also think it was to take in it was a different time where people didn't really care about that. It was just seen as all... There wasn't even, like... The feminist movement was just coming to things. So never mind. Like, it wasn't... It was a different time. It was perceived differently. Look look up stuff about David Bowie. We're, we're selective with oh, who well, we choose on this. Well, hang on. No, I think there are people who behaved badly, and then there is Jimmy Savile. I think the two... That's that's not... You can't say but the that's same. Selective. That's like saying... Well, well, it is selective, yes. Because his music was good. No, I know, I know. No, there is an argument, I know. But 
There's not a sort of, there's not a sliding nuanced scale between David Bowie and Jimmy Savile. That, that, that it, there's not. It was an it, Jimmy Savile was a, a serial abuser on an industrial scale. I think it's a massive, massive, massive difference. But then this is a selective thing we do in society. It's a selective way that we. It's like all right. So it's like if you have a picture of Ukrainian women making Molotov cocktails, it's oh my god, amazing. But then if you have pictures of women in a niqab holding an AK-47, it's terrorist. It's a selective way of... That's selective, yes, because it's two people doing the same thing and you're having a different view on either of them according to your political background. But these aren't two people doing the same thing. Jimmy Savile, over a 50-year period, lived on a daily basis for no other reason than to abuse... And you all let him get away. You ever... Everyone, everyone, let him get away with it. Yes, well, that's what I was here to talk about. Like you, you look at like what Jimmy Savile did, the, the manipulation and with everything, and how he was allowed to do it. It's completely psychotic and like sociopathic. And you go, well, that's because the people who are in charge and allowed to do things are probably also other sociopaths who resonate with somebody like that. Like there's there's a level of that's what it takes of being in charge of something, of wanting to be that famous, the same way if you want to be that powerful, you have something in common. That's what I, I think with the whole thing is like Jimmy Savile was just like probably the brink of an iceberg of that thing. Now he's the one who I don't know how you guys didn't know because he literally would go on TV and go, oh, I like diddling little kids and everyone be like, that's our gym. He ran a marathon, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. That is what happened, and the scale, the, the scale of it was enormous. And sometimes people would say, "My generation," you'd go, "But he's just sort of." Sometimes he goes on, and <laughs> I saw. I, I often say this, right? I saw in about the early nineteen nineties a program when late night telly was really, really in its infancy, and there was a program, an hour long interview with Jimmy Savile, and he was in this caravan, and he was going, "I think ladies, but this caravan, you see." <laughs> And I thought, what? What? This is going to be like a major scandal. No one cared. But it, but everyone did. Uh, no, Louis Farouk did a documentary about him, couldn't get him. The, Andrew Neil did an interview with him where he was basically like, the, BB, the BBC and everyone, like, and those, those people in power knew it was just like back then nobody gave Well, they gave sort of knew. Some people definitely knew and some people sort of knew. And that what is important is that lots of people, young people would go and say this this happened and they were immediately dismissed and Savile had sort of co- contacts because he you know he made sure he kept the Leeds police suite and all that sort of thing. Anyway, I'm sure that's cleared it up. Um thank you very much. I actually I actually discussed this in a even worse depth for my podcast, B Tech Philosophers sort of a, a more <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I heard version I... of my opinion. <laughs> I will finish with this. I remember after, because, you know, his his grave was all smashed up. At first, when he died, there was this beautiful grave, dear Jimmy and all that, Jimmy, Sir Jimmy Savile and all that. And then it was smashed up, you know, and all the revelations come out. And I don't know who it was, but they took a picture. They had, they got a picture of his grave all pristine and then a picture of it all smashed up and then another one of it looking all nice and another one it all smashed up. And underneath it just went, no, I've got that wrong. I've completely went, now, that then, joke now, up. then, now, then. Oh, God, I can't even tell a Jimmy Savile joke properly. Look what you've done to me. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. What the fuck is going on? 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We are now available on Patreon, so if you want to become a supporter and get ad-free versions and lots of bonus bits that pop up all the time, such as this week George Galloway talking about Pointless, please sign up to that, just £4 a month. If you've liked the podcast, then you can officially like it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod and we will look at all the messages that you sent. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Sean Walsh and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sean Walsh and Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Matt and Scott at Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a Podmonkey production. <laughs>